Well, this half hour, we're going to talk about Ontario's new rule that came in on June the 1st. It's called Right to Disconnect. It essentially gives uh, employees the, really what it does is it tells companies that it has to tell its employees and set out a policy that lets them know how they can not be at work. In other words, how do you unplug from the office, especially these days when your office can be your living room? Uh, we'll get to that in just a second. But a little earlier, we were talking about voter turnout, staying in Ontario. 43% was the voter turnout in the provincial election yesterday. That is abysmal. That is absolutely abysmal. In um, BC, in our most recent election out here, it was about 53%. Uh, in the federal election, closer to 62%. The US election, I think, was about 66 So 43% is just horrific. 57% of people who are registered to vote, uh, that's about 6 million people, decided, eh, I'm not bothered. <laughs> which, which leads you to believe, I mean, listen, people, voting is a privilege, it is also, in some senses, a luxury. And sometimes if you're just not inspired, you just don't vote. And it's hard to say when people don't vote what it actually means. Is it a vote for the status quo? Is it a vote for none of the above? Is it just pure ambivalence? We don't really know because you can't tell why people don't vote um, necessarily unless you go ask all of them why they didn't bother. And oftentimes people won't even talk about it. We did ask you uh, tonight whether we thought, uh, you thought, we should bring in mandatory voting as they have in um, Australia. Professor Johnston just now told us, of course, there's lots of nuances to that, uh, but maybe it's a decent idea when you get 43% turnout for a provincial election in the country's most populous province. As for why that was, here's what Tim Abre, he's a professor of political science at Queen's University, had to say on Global News. The coverage of elections has slowly slipped towards mostly horse race. And I think that was really true of this, this contest, that we talked a lot about the polls, we talked a lot about the inevitability of certain races, and I think that does a lot to bring down people's attentions and that there isn't much point in participating. And that will always play into the hand of an incumbent. In this case, I think it absolutely did because we saw turnout at an all-time low by a long shot. Now, this is not a criticism of Doug Ford's win. It is perfectly legitimate that he won. He won fair and square. In fact, he won with an overwhelming number of seats. But still, the turnout is really something worrying. Uh, we asked you about it. Uh, Mark in Manitoba says a quality candidate will bring out the voters. You're absolutely right, Mark. Clearly, Andrea Horvath and Dean Del Duca of the Liberals, Andrea Horvath of the NDP, were not uh, inspiring enough. Uh, Grant in Winnipeg, though, says, yes, voting is a right and should we should all exercise it. My parents drilled it into me and my first vote was for mayor of Winnipeg. Haven't missed a vote in 41 years. Good on you, Grant. I've also drilled that into my children and they haven't missed a vote since they turned 18. So hats off to you. Civics, of course, always begins at home. Let me know what you think. 877-399-9898. That's 877-399-9898. Let me know who you are, where you are, and we'll share those answers throughout the show. Well, the Japanese have a word for it. It's called karoshi. It means death by overwork. And certainly during the pandemic, remote work showed us just how easy it is to be connected to your workplace 24-7, no matter where you are. Well, this week, Ontario enacted something called Bill 27, Working for Workers Act 2021. One section of it requires employers with 25 or more people on staff as of January 1st, 2022, that's when they had to have more than 25 people, to have a policy as of yesterday that outlines how they will ensure workers are able to disconnect from the workplace after hours. They describe that as not engaging in work-related communications. That includes emails, phone calls, video calls, or sending or reviewing other messages. To be free, in other words, 
from the performance of work. So how will it work? Is it clear? Does it have teeth? Does it really give employees the right to disconnect? Well, joining me uh, with more is Mackenzie Irwin. She's an associate specializing in employment law at um, Tamarkin Mifuru. I'm going to get that name wrong. It's Samfiru Tamarkin. And she joins me now. Thanks so much for your time tonight, Mackenzie. Thank you so much for having me. So in the context of this legislation, what is right to disconnect? Yeah, great question. So this the this legislation actually defines disconnecting from work, and it's basically uh, defines it as um, not engaging in work related communications, including emails, telephone calls, video calls, or sending and reviewing other message messages, um, so as to be free from the performance of work. So it's. It's specifically defined, but it, it's very tricky because uh, this new legislation doesn't actually require that employers provide their employees with that right to disconnect. Right. It only really requires employers to come up with a written policy on disconnecting from work. So, so I mean, it sounds nice, uh, but what in fact does the legislation do? Yeah. So I think the initial purpose of this legislation is really to just get employers to really turn their mind to the issue that we're dealing with all the time now with that blurring of the line between work and personal time now that everyone's working from home. So the right to disconnect legislation is really forcing employers to turn their mind to, okay, what are our expectations of our employees when they're, when do we expect them to be on and when do we expect them to be off? And then ensuring that employers are properly communicating those expectations to their employees. I, I guess during the pandemic, we were taught, uh, I mean, well, all of us were working at home. I think we all learned just how connected you can be uh, 24-7 to, uh, to work. So in terms of employees' rights, does this actually change anything in terms of you know what employers are held to account about and what employees have in terms of rights? Um, it depends on what the employer actually does and puts into their policy. So you know, a lot of employers aren't going to take this very seriously and they're simply going to tick the box and put out some generic uh, policy that doesn't really go into a whole lot of detail. For those employees, not much is going to change in the sense that all the standard um, statutory rights uh, surrounding overtime pay, hours of work and things like that that are already in the legislation, those continue to apply. Um, it's just for those employers that have kind of go- gone into it and actually thought about and put some detail into their policy. Those employees with employers who have done that, um, they can now hold their employers to those policies to make sure that they're not um, breaching their own policies by having them respond to things outside of what's been listed in the policy. So for example, if I'm an employee who finds that my employer is uh taking advantage of the fact they can get a hold of me anytime they'd like. How does this change things? Yeah. So it, well, you're going to now you're going to hopefully have been sent. If you were in Ontario, you've been sent your, your employer's policy. You'll look to the policy and see whether or not what they're doing um, is breaching that policy. If not, then um, you're absolutely like, like all times um, employees should definitely be keeping track of hours that they're working Because any hours in Ontario, any hours over 44 hours per week, they're entitled to overtime compensation for for those hours that they've worked overtime. 
Um, and then there are certain um, rules surrounding how much work that can be performed in a day, um, breaks and, and uh, rules such right. as that that are in, in the legislation already. Right. So those rules already exist, though. I mean, those are already out there, right? So so I guess I'm just trying to figure out what exactly this is, because it sounds nice. I mean, you know, right to disconnect sounds pretty, pretty important. Uh, but it feels like when you start to dig into it, it's just basically telling employers to think about it or and to put out some sort of very broad policy on what their employees should and shouldn't do. But employers have had to produce these these policies for their employees. But uh, how much difference do you think it'll make? Well, so again, it, it depends on what's put in the policy. Um, so if if that policy does provide um, more rights than what's already outlined in the legislation, then then an employee who thinks their employer is breaching that policy can um, file a complaint with the Ministry of Labor and the Ministry of Labor will look into whether that is indeed a breach. Right. I gather, though, that it's quite hard for employers to figure out exactly what needs to be in that in those policies, though. It is. And so I think that's kind of why the government has um, taken this initial this initial step, because the government can't know um, what what each individual employer's um, requirements are, what their needs are, their individual business needs. So what they've done now is they've made they forced employers to kind of take a look, reflect on their needs and and communicate their expectations to, to their employees, right. whether they're going to go and take it a step further um, once we kind of see how the dust settles and how things work out with uh, with the initial step. I, I would anticipate that we, we will hopefully take another step to kind of provide more clarity. But yeah, initially, it's, it is a very toothless um, piece of legislation for sure. Have you been getting many calls about it? I mean, I'm sure employers and employers specifically must be trying to figure out what it is they're supposed to be doing here. Yeah. Um, so employers, for sure, up until so the deadline to provide that legislation or the policy to your employees was was yesterday. So up until then, all of my employer clients have been kind of scrambling, trying to figure out what kind of policy they're going to do. In terms of employees, I've noticed a lot, especially throughout the pandemic, that a lot of I'm getting a lot of calls of employees um, where their employer is kind of increasing their demands on that employee while they're working from home. So pre-pandemic, they would go into the office, they'd arrive, you know, nine to five and they'd leave the office and everything would be kind of at peace until they came back the next day. And now that they're working from home, they're working many more hours for an employer and the employer is kind of demanding those additional hours. So in that case, most a lot of those uh, employees in those situations may be facing a constructive dismissal because those uh, that demand for an additional for additional hours um, is a fundamental change to the original terms of the employment, likely, and that employee may be entitled to assert constructive dismissal and pursue uh, severance. I mean, I imagine there must be exceptions to this because at some points you do have to work when you're not working, when you're not on your work hours, because it is an emergency. Speaking with Mackenzie Irwin from Semfiro to Market. And when we come back, we'll talk a bit more just about what other jurisdictions have done this and whether there's any rules to be followed or any advice to be followed from what they've learned. And if we could start seeing this, perhaps this sort of right to disconnect law elsewhere in the country. And we'll be right back with that. 
I'm speaking with Mackenzie Irwin. She's an associate specializing in employment law at Simfiro Tamurkin in Toronto. We've been talking about uh, Ontario's right to disconnect law that's just come into effect, uh, mandating that employers at least have a policy about uh, allowing their employees, uh, including managers, it was uh, oddly enough, including uh, executives and managers, allowing them sort of spelling out when it is they're expected to be at work and when they can be sure not to be bothered, even electronically. Um, have we seen this elsewhere? Has this been done in other jurisdictions, Begins? Yeah, not in Canada. So in Canada, Ontario is the first uh, province to to really come out with something of this nature. But there actually there are absolutely other jurisdictions that have similar or or similar legislations or similar goals of of imposing this uh, healthy work life balance. So one very prominent example is is in France they have a right to disconnect legislation it's a very interesting one because it doesn't really it, it doesn't impose um, direct sanctions on the companies who violate their right to their employees right to disconnect but it does permit employees to sue their employers if they feel that their rights have been infringed under these right to disconnect laws so I think you know we're far from that scenario here in in Canada, but it's definitely an interesting take, um, and it really shows that French culture really values that separation between work work life and personal life. Yeah, I certainly I don't think we'll be seeing French style labor labor <laughs> labor uh, problems in this country. At least, I mean, their labor laws are pretty pretty strict over there. But in terms of just employers' rights here, because there are times when. Um, you know, things happen and, and people uh, need to be called. Uh, how does that work when, according to the Ontario legislation? Yeah. So as, as I've been saying, the Ontario legislation doesn't actually require an employer to provide their employees with a right to disconnect. Okay. The, um, the only thing that it requires is that they come up with some sort of policy. So presumably an employer could come up with a policy that just says there is no right to disconnect and here's our policy. <laughs> but I would I would strongly advise against that. But but certainly employers with demanding business needs, um, they need to clearly outline their expectations of their employees in their policy. You know, it that's that would satisfy the legislation. If you expect certain employees to be available outside of the regular nine to five, say so in your policy. Um, this may mean having different policies that apply to different positions, but um, again, that's something that each individual or each individual employer needs to kind of reflect on their own business needs. Just from where you sit, uh, Mackenzie, as a labor lawyer, as an employment lawyer, is, is this a good step? I mean, is, is getting companies to think about this at least a good start? Yeah, I think it's really important that we start turning our minds to what the expectations are. I mean, it's no surprise that employers who prioritize a healthy work-life balance, they result in a happier workforce with less burnout and higher talent retention. And so I think just having this uh, policy requirement now is going to be a very important factor uh, as, as companies are recruiting and trying to retain talent. Someone who's looking for a job right now, they might be asking in an interview, okay, well, can I see your right to disconnect policy? Because, you know, respect, respecting my, my uh, personal time off hours is really important to me. And I want to know how your company deals with that. I'm certain employees going into interviews, you're right, will be able to to see just in, and the quality of that policy as well, which which would reflect on the company itself, I would imagine. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's a very important factor. And now that we have all of our employers in Ontario have to have it a written policy, it's now something that you can just kind of ask for in an interview as opposed to before when uh, whoever you are interviewing with would just kind of say, oh, you know, we respect your work-life balance and just leave it at that. Do you see this? Uh, I'm sure other provinces, other jurisdictions, the federal government, I'm sure everyone will be watching to see how this works in Ontario. Uh, do you expect to see these sorts of uh, laws pop up elsewhere? Yeah. So it's actually um, the federal government has actually just finished. And well, in 2019, they created a uh, committee to review and provide recommendations on whether um, they should explore a right to disconnect law in for federally regulated employees. Um, They released that report in February of 2022. And so now, unsurprisingly, uh, it was there were differences of opinions of whether or not the federal government should uh, should actually implement or make laws uh, providing a right to disconnect. So as it stands right now, the federal government is considering those recommendations made in that report and they intend to bring forward a plan for some sort of right to disconnect policy applicable to federally regulated workplaces. Because right now, of course, this Ontario law does not apply to federally regulated, right? Correct. Yeah. So um, it only applies to employers in Ontario and only to employers in Ontario who have 25 or more employees. As we go forward with this, I mean, the pandemic, as I mentioned earlier, did teach us just how easy it is to work all the time, even if you're not at work. Uh, where do you see this headed in terms of legislation? Uh, do, you see, do you see it sort of becoming a more and more important part of the work of workplace uh, law going forward? I'm not really sure. Um, I think, honestly, I think that the Ontario, lots of provinces are waiting to see how things pan out for Ontario and how the Ontario legislation affects their business organizations. But ultimately, I do think as a result of the pandemic, there is this kind of culture shift um, where, well, first of all, employees are are in very high demand and there's a lot of movement around um, with employees moving around and employers are having a difficult time retaining their talent. So I think employees have a, a, a really, um, it's a really interesting time for employees because they can start making those requests and negotiating for those kinds of terms when they're moving to a new employer. But in a nutshell, just to wrap up, you know, tie a bow on this one. For the time being, uh, this does not actually give employees the right to disconnect, quote unquote. It just asks employers to make sure there's a policy in place that employees can refer to uh, for guidance. Yes, that's exactly true. Mackenzie Irwin, thank you so much for clarifying this. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me.